Last week was Easter, and it, it was probably the most incredible Easter or the most bizarre that I've ever had in my life. Uh, I got a chance for the first time in my life, I, I couldn't actually think of a single time where I wasn't in a church building, uh, either preaching or being a part of what God was doing, and yet God was doing amazing things. In fact, I saw a social media post that I completely agree with that said something along these lines, that there was the communication or the message of Jesus Christ, the good news of his death, burial, and resurrection was taught on one day more than any other time in history combined. That there were millions, if not billions of people who tuned in on this last Sunday because we stayed at home. And if you are one of them, I just want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for those who watch, watch us from Arizona to Seattle to Florida to the Philippines, even into China and other places. And so thanks for joining us even at this moment. In this new season, you know, as a church, we're always trying to find ways that we can come alongside and support you as we're going through this crisis and through this situation. And so starting this next week, uh, keep your eyes and ears open through social media and otherwise uh, for you to be aware that we're going to be doing some higher level interviews and webinars. Our hope is to interview some local uh, politicians, some local people from our school district to try to keep you informed because we're hearing a lot of stuff in the media. And we'd like to hear from our local people to be able to give that information to you. So be on the lookout for that. Secondly, we're going to put together some webinars uh, that are going to be 30 minutes, maybe an hour in length that you can just kind of pop in and tell your friends about concerning situations like how do I survive my family during this time without killing them? And so that would be like one of the examples of a webinar that we want to provide to you so that you can come out of this better than actually when you came in. You see, it's been about a month now since most of us have been in this stay-at-home order. And I have heard over and over from people, I just have to get through. And we put so much stock and so much hope in whatever our governor may say in terms of the stay-at-home order, is it going to last like in our case past May 4th? Or I know other places like Arizona and Idaho, uh, April 30th, is it going to last past that? And they're like, I can just get through. Or other people say, I can, if I can just survive this time. And I just don't believe it. I believe that we're not here or called just to survive or get through, but that you and I have an opportunity to thrive in this season, that we can actually, I believe in this with all my heart, we can actually come out of this better than when we came into this. And that's what this whole series is going to be about. We want to walk through how do we come out of this better than when we went in. Let me just give you kind of two examples of Two extremes, maybe, of how people are approaching this. Uh, we'll call one person Jack. Uh, Jack decides uh, during his days, in order to survive this COVID-19, he decides to get on the internet, social media, play video games, and binge watch all day long. Uh, he's beginning to experience what we call the COVID-15, the pounds that are beginning to be put on, uh, and he begins to lose energy as this goes on day by day. And as he looks to the news story, he continually is reminded over and over and over who's to blame, how many sick people there are, how many's dying, and the economic world that obviously must be ending. And so they find themselves, Jack finds himself more stressed and anxious, and then he begins 
begins to not sleep well. And when he does come out of his cabin, uh, has his quarantine area, you know, his, his ostracized, you know, part of the house to even engage with his family, he finds himself irritated. He finds himself quick-tempered with his spouse and his kids. In fact, he probably hasn't even seen the sunlight in the last 30 days. That person, Jack, is surviving at best. But let me tell you about Jill. Uh, Jill is a person who decides to work out every day physically, even though they don't feel like it. In fact, the workout is hard, but when she's done, a few hours later, she really feels pretty good. Uh, Then she sets up some Zoom calls with some friends and some family members. Uh, They connect in a small group, you know, on a weekly basis, and they even come together with their family to sit down at the table, put their phones away to begin engaging, which, which is something new to their family. It's hard, but she really feels good afterwards. Then they commit weekly to watching church as you're doing now on a regular basis. Then she and her family find ways to give of their time, their talents, and their resources even while they're in this stay-at-home situation. Jill is thriving. And I hope you see the difference, but I need to ask you, which one are you? Are you more like Jack or are you more like Jill? Uh, If you're like me, you're probably a little bit of both if we're going to be honest. What if I told you that God wants to reveal something to you, in you, and then through you during the season that could never have happened unless we went into this season, into this crisis? Uh, Let me give you another example. Uh, Wayne Williams, who's one of our elders and I, uh, we started a men's group that meets on Thursday afternoons from 1230 to 230. And and, and we started this before this whole COVID-19 thing got started. And one of the things that we recognized, you know, with a lot of these guys is when asked, how are you doing in life? You know what the number one answer was? Busy, right? I'm busy. I got so many things. I'm running from here to there. I'm barely keeping my head above water with the expectations of work and with family and with kids and all the things that go with that. And it's on and on and on. And so we decided to walk them through a book that impacts both our lives in a very dramatic and deep way. And here's what it's called. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Comer. John Comer. I was looking at the bottom because it says John Ortberg, uh, who's one of my favorite authors as well. And so, you know, that kind of messed me up a little bit. But The Elimination of Hurry. And it's fascinating because now when we're talking to these guys, you know, who've been so busy, we ask, how you doing? Well, we're practicing this now, maybe by force than by choice, but we're finding some good things as we're going through this. I mean, there are aspects of this crisis that is hard, but I can tell you, for me, I'm learning some things. I'm learning some things about myself. I'm growing in areas and I'm finding some new excitement for life, for relationships, for my connection with my family and my connection with God. Some things that I hope that even when this is over, we don't go back to what was. See, there are aspects of your life that Jesus wants to change or help you in if you and I would be open to looking at this whole crisis from a completely different perspective, from a different standpoint. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, can I challenge you for the next few moments or even for the next few weeks, if you're willing, to just be open, to consider 
that maybe was what is going to be presented. Maybe that there is a God who wants to say something in your life and that you too can come out of this far better than when you went into this. What I'm going to walk through over these next several weeks and what we're going to do together is simple, but it's not easy. And isn't that true of the most impactful things in our lives? Somebody can say it's so simple, just love your spouse. It's so simple, but sometimes it's not very easy, is it? So let me start with this. Jesus is wrapping up the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And as he wraps it all up, he finishes in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. See, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it'll collapse with a mighty crash. You see, all of our lives are built up to this point on some sort of foundation, some sort of belief, some sort of hope, some sort of relationship, something that we've decided to build our lives upon. And you want to know what it is? You find out through crisis. You find out in the storms of life, it gets revealed what is our lives built on? What are our foundations? How is that being laid? What honestly, if you were to take a look at yourself and I were to take a look at mine, has been your foundation up to this point? Let's be honest. Some of us, our foundations have been built on finances. When financially things are going well, we're going well, but if finances don't go well, then that's our foundation and so everything begins to fall apart. Uh, for some of us, you know, it might be built on some certain relationships. And so when that doesn't go well, then our entire lives and everything begin to fall apart. Uh, maybe it's our achievement. Like we're a very achieving-oriented society. And so when we have those jobs, when we have those titles, when we're able to exclaim, I am busy too, we feel a sense of worth and importance. But when that's taken away, we realize, wait a minute, that was my foundation. And the way you know is how you're doing right now. How are you able to focus when some of those things that you put, that we put so much of our stock and our lives into is suddenly removed? But here's the good news in Jesus' story. Here's the good news through our COVID-19 storm that is upon us is crisis can help us reorient our lives to what is a firm foundation so that we come out of this better and more prepared for inevitably the next storm that may come in our lives. Now, this one is unique because it's hitting all of us still at different levels, but all of us will go through storms in our lives. But it's a chance for us to develop maybe some roots that we've never had before if you'll seize the moment. I, I have a tree, you know, at our house in our backyard. And uh, I know you're going to see a picture, you know, uh, of this tree in just a second. And uh, that tree that's sitting in our backyard, we have a little bit of history behind it. Uh, you see, uh, the boys and I, you know, one uh, Christmas, it was about a week or so, maybe two weeks after Christmas, uh, we had bought a live tree. And uh, I don't usually buy a live tree, but we bought this live tree and then it obviously died. Needles were everywhere. And right underneath or near the tree that you're seeing right now is a fire pit. 
And so I said, hey, boys, let's light this thing up. And they're like, yeah. So we grabbed the tree. We took it out there. Mom is uh, away. And she's kind of up on the deck. She's looking down. And I said, you want to make this really fun? They're like, yeah. I said, let's get some gasoline. And so they're like, awesome. And my wife, Caroline, is like, I don't think this is a good idea. I'm like, oh, come on. This is going to be fun. So I'm pouring gasoline all over this, you know, already dead tree anyway. And I'm like, all right, boys. I was smart enough. Back up. And I just <laughs> I threw a match. And it just went whoosh. And, and it was so powerful and so big that it fried half of that tree that you're looking at. I mean, it completely singed and took off the edges, you know, all the way up. And my wife, I'll never forget, she's just looking down, you know, at us and she's just shaking her head and she just walks inside. You know, she doesn't want the neighbors to know who it was and that kind of stuff. You know, there was some snow around, so we kind of threw snow on it. No, it was, it was all fine. But here's what you need that to know is, is that that tree is thriving. It, it didn't just survive. It actually thrived, not just because of that, but because we live on a prairie, and as we live on the prairie, there is some great wind that comes through on a regular basis. And that wind comes whipping right into that tree. And early on, you'd see that tree sway back and forth and back and forth. But the strength of the tree doesn't come in the sunshine. The strength of the tree, it doesn't thrive just because it's raining a little bit. That's the effects of the strength that took place during the winter months, during the storm. See, then they came out of the storm, comes out of the winter months, and each and every year that tree is stronger and stronger and stronger because its roots have gone deeper and deeper. The harder the storm, the stronger that tree comes out in the spring. What about us? See, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built. There's that foundation we just talked about on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. But strength doesn't come in comfort. Roots don't go deep when it's smooth sailing. It has the chance to go deep when we are in crisis, when you're going through struggle, when we're going through hardship. And so there's a great opportunity that God wants us to seize during this season. And I don't want you to come out of this missing the greatest opportunity that you and I might have in, for some of us in our entire lives to build this firm foundation that Jesus talks about. Now, how do we do this? Jesus says the difference between a person who builds it on rock, on a, on, on a firm foundation, on bedrock, versus one who builds it on sand, the only difference between the two houses, they look great on the outside. Everything looks pristine. Here's how you know the difference in the foundation. Those who hear Jesus' words and then put it into practice. That's what he says is the difference. So which words? Well, there's a lot of them, obviously, but I can just boil it down to this, and that's what this whole series is going to be about. Jesus says the greatest commandment. In other words, the entire Old Testament, all those pages that you have in your Old Testament Bibles can be summed up in this one scripture. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. If we learn how to do this well, 
knowing how they interchange with one another, I promise because it's God's word that we will come out of this with that firm foundation. Not that we know these words, not that we can recite these words, but we're actually putting these words into practice. Our roots will, go, will grow deep and our foundation will be firm. See, over these next five weeks, including this week as well, we're gonna look at these four examples of how do we love God with our heart which is emotionally. Now, those of you guys who know God's word, you know that the heart, you know, is actually the center of the being. It's the will behind us, but it also includes emotions. And so we're going to talk about how do we become emotionally healthy through this season? How do we thrive? Then we're going to talk about the strength. See, we're created as physical beings, and there's a physical way that God has called, entrusted, empowered us to love him. We're going to look at our mind and how, what, how important it is to have our minds set upon certain things. And then we're going to look at our souls to say spiritually, how are we connecting? How are we growing in our spirits, heart, soul, mind, and strength, emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. But there's two things I want you to learn from just those four examples. First is all of us have strengths or weaknesses when it comes to loving God in that way. Uh, here, here's what I, I can be honest with you. If I look at loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, I can tell you this, that I'm probably pretty good when it comes to loving God with my mind and loving God with my soul. Those are probably the two that I'm pretty good at. Where I find myself weaker at, if I were going to be honest, is probably loving God physically and loving God with my heart or emotionally. Those are the ones that I tend to struggle. And I wonder, as we go through this season, I wonder if you're going to realize, wow, I really actually do pretty well at that. And I hope that that's an encouragement for you. But I also hope you realize that there might be one of those four that you say, you know what, that's one that I'm kind of weak at. And that's one that I could actually go some, grow some deeper roots. I could actually build a foundation upon that I would come out of this better than when I came in. That's the first thing I want you to know about that list. Secondly, and this is an important thing. Each of those areas impact the other. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. One impacts the other. We like to separate things, especially as Americans. But these are intertwined. One affects the other. Hey, let me prove it to you. Uh, Have you ever, you know, in a time in your life, have you ever been hurt relationally? You ever been hurt relationally? Well, I know that I have, and most of you have have as well. How did that affect you mentally? Uh, Were you able to focus on other things really well? How did you do physically? Did you find yourself eating more? Maybe working out a little less? How did that affect you spiritually? Was it tough focusing on God because you had issues with other people? Does that make sense? Uh, Let me tell you you this way. Uh, the, The night when Jesus was betrayed, he was in the garden, right? And he tells his disciples, he says, okay, this is an important time. Before I go to my death, I need one thing from you guys. Can you please pray with me? So he leaves and goes off and prays. He entrusts that they're going to pray. What is he asking them to do? He's asking them to do something spiritually. But what happens? They fall asleep. What's their issue? Physical. How do I know this? Because Jesus comes and says, look, this is going to help you with temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Do you see how they're intertwined? So you you have one that affects the other, which is why we're going through this situation. 
All four play a part with God and one another. So today, we want to look at the beginnings of thriving emotionally, thriving with our hearts through COVID-19. Here was a question that I asked on social media leading up to this message. What are some emotions that you're dealing with through this season? What are some of the emotions? And maybe you can resonate or identify with some of these, these folks. Good and also not so good. So let's start with this. What are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling, this is all of them, frustrated, emotionally numb, unequipped, conflicted, surreal, sad, unmotivated, exhausted, concerned, restless, annoyed, angry, defeated, discouraged, deprived, shortchanged, sinking, tested, trapped, disconnected, lonely, anxious, stressed, depressed, overwhelmed, angry, confused, abandoned, isolated, humble, and discombobulated. That was my favorite one, by the way. It's a lot of emotion. On the, on the other side, there were others also going through the same COVID-19 process who wrote these words, peaceful, grateful, calm, relaxed, privileged, encouraged, content, happy, joyful, thankful, thriving, trusting, blessed, inspired, and loved. I think if we're honest, we feel both lists, don't we? There have been seasons and moments where I feel some of the anxiety and stress and isolation and some of that. The other side of it, I feel some positive and blessed and encouraged and loved. And we find ourselves wrestling deeply with these real emotions. So how can we practically thrive through COVID-19 emotionally? Here it is. Emotionally, focus on you and God. Focus on you and God. See, in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says that the second greatest commandment is just as important as the first. He says to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we usually look at that and be like, yeah, man, there's another to-do list. I got to love my neighbor. But you realize that the measure in which we're able to love our neighbor is going to be the measure in which that we love ourselves, out of the measure in which we love God and he we have received as love for us. So it's going to sound weird to some of you, especially who are helpful and loving and encouraging, and you pour yourself out over and over and over. You're not any good to other people unless you and God take care of you first. And you know this to be true. So how do we focus on us and God? Here's how you do it. Identify what fills and drains you emotionally. I got a lot of this part from a guy by the name of Wayne Cordero, who's a pastor in Hawaii, who did a talk called Dead Leader Running. And you can Google it and you can YouTube it. It's just phenomenal, phenomenal. He does it way better than I'm about to do right now. But what I can tell you is you need to answer a couple of these questions. What drains you emotionally? I wonder if you can answer that. Like for me, here's what some honest things that drain me emotionally. Unresolved relational issues. Things that are just lingering out there, and I know that there's tension, that drains me. I know uh, that overtaxed schedule, when I'm just running literally from one meeting to another, or the meetings are too detailed, I find myself extremely busy. At times in my life, I can look back the whole living paycheck to paycheck. It's very stressful. It's very draining. Uh, trying to live up to others' expectations or perceived expectations. Try to get in my mind with that one. Or criticism based on perception. Great with criticism, but just based on, well, I think you should based on what I see without any help or hope. Those are some things that drain me. What drains you emotionally? 
But then you got to answer this question. What fills you emotionally? What fills you emotionally? Now, I know some of you immediately are going to say, well, obviously it's God, it's God's word. And those things are absolutely true. But God's created you in such a way to encounter and experience him in other ways that he has created you. Uh, one of my favorite you know, lines in a movie comes from the movie, and many of you have been around here, you've heard me say this before, Chariots of Fire. In it, the lead uh, character, Eric Liddell, who's a runner and is going to be a missionary someday, has a conversation with his wife, and he says these phrase, this phrase, when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. In other words, what fills me in my relationship with God is actually in how he's created me to run. So when I run, that's actually a fill in my life. So I started thinking about what are some things that I know out of the joy of being God's child that fill me? And here are some of my things. Being by myself on my deck. <laughs> I know that's going to sound horrific to some of you extreme extroverts, but you know, honestly, there's something that fills me as I'm just overlooking some water. It just fills my soul. Uh, laughter, love to laugh, hanging out with a, a, a small group of friends. We really know each other and the conversation is just free flowing. I love traveling with Carolina and, and just do, living our lives together. Uh, I love my time with Jesus that isn't interrupted through his word, prayer, you know, devotionals, podcasts, worship music really does fill my soul. Uh, I, I hate it, but working out actually fills me. Uh, not during, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, it's, it's afterwards. Uh, trips and experiences with the family, attending my kids' sporting events and activities, fishing, golfing, watching the Seahawks when they win. It's obviously a drain if they lose. But here is the secret. Here's the secret you need to understand. It's not just getting vacation pleasures and finances that's what fills us long-term. Remember God said, he said, here are the ways that you're going to experience me as you love me and as I love you, as you encounter and experience me, you're going to find yourself filled, not just going on longer vacations. So what am I doing? With whom am I doing these things that makes me feel most alive? Now you do realize that it wasn't just the words of Jesus that impacts our lives. It's his method. It's how he lived. You know, he modeled this for us. How many times did Jesus withdraw to lonely places to be re-energized emotionally and otherwise in prayer? We know that filled him. We know that being with his disciples on occasion filled him. Other times it frustrated him to know others. Oh, go, go ahead and read about what Jesus called Peter. Something about get behind me, Satan. You can read about that, you know, on Google or, or, or uh, in your Bibles as well. You know, teaching seemed to fill him. But at times it was a drain. Demands of the people at times were a drain. Pharisees, the religious leaders, were definitely a drain for Jesus. See, if you and God don't take care of you, you will not be good for other people. It's hard for some of you as it is for me. See, here's the issue, and I don't want you to miss this. So I wanted just to show you just a little brief you know, illustration. This is you. This is me. Okay, this is our lives. And in us, what people can't see is the emotional stuff. This is our heart that God has created and wired us to be. And here's the things that we just talked about that fill us. So here would be a couple examples. You know, hey, you know, spending time with God and being able to do that. But you notice at the same time that I'm being filled, there are things that are draining. And this is the, this is the byproduct of every day that we exist. There are things that fill 
and that there are things that drain. There are things that bring us joy and connection and emotional stability and health and we thrive and there's other things that completely drain us. Here's the thing. When your drain is higher than your fill in how God has created you, you run out of you. You are no good for anyone else. Let me give you this example. Have you ever tried to start a car that wasn't a Tesla without gas? How far did you go? How far did you get? Nothing. Because here's what begins to happen. When you get to this point in your life, when there's nothing left, when the filling is not coming in, all of a sudden, when you get lower and lower in your life, you'll start feeling stress, anxiety, anxiety attacks. You might have that on a regular basis because here's what I can tell you. I've had these things. You might even experience what my dad experienced in 1979, which was what's called a nervous breakdown. And part of it was because he never took time for the way God had wired him to be filled emotionally. He continued to pour himself out over and over and over again. See, one of the ways that you know that this is getting near the end is what, what do we call it? We call it the straw that breaks the camel's back. The person who cries over spilled milk. It's when somebody or something sets you off, but a normal reaction would have been about a two, but your emotional reaction is like a 10. That's an indicator that emotionally things are off in the way that God has wired or created you. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I remember one night trying to put down one of my kids and they weren't listening really well. <laughs> that happens with kids. I know my kids are watching right now. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, and, uh, and I just lost it internally. I lost it. Now, I was what you call in our house, I was done. I couldn't handle it. I needed to get away. And I needed to figure out what was the issue that was going on in the inside. And what I realized is that it was twofold. One is I had been pouring myself out over and over and over again and I wasn't doing anything to fill. But the second thing, and I want to talk to some of you very seriously right now, was that there were some things that I thought I had buried years ago. Years ago. All of us have gone through things in our formative years, in our childhood, and, and otherwise, and we don't deal with those things. But guess what? When you bury those things, they don't stay buried. And they come back up. And so what I needed was something more than just the fills that I listed there. I needed to talk to someone. And so I started by talking to some close friends. I have some close friends in my life. And then I, then I went on and talked to some fellow pastors. But then I went and I got to a professional Christian counselor. And we've been on a journey. And it's been phenomenal as I begin to understand why do I have such a reaction See, oftentimes what we like to do when we're emotionally done, when we're at that point, is we think, well, the reason I'm done is because if that kid would just behave, if that spouse would just do what I asked them to do, if that work boss would just love me and appreciate me like they should, then I wouldn't respond the way in which I am responding, and it's baloney. It's not true. Not the way God has wired us, that there could be something deeper. And so I want you to know even during this season, some of this is being exposed because we're in confined quarters that we're actually having to deal with some hard emotional stuff and it's coming out of our mouths quicker and quicker with those in which we love the most. I want you to know we have some pastors who'd love to talk to you. 
Not only do we have our food room open, we have a pastor who's on call, who's here in four-hour shifts Monday through Friday. And they'd love to talk to you. And you can connect with them. You go to our Here to Help page and you can see ways in which you can just click on that and then set up an appointment and have a meeting so that you can receive the help that God wants you to receive so that you can come out of this thriving and not just surviving or worse yet, causing more damage because there's some emotional stuff that you need to deal with. That's what crisis does. It reveals some big stuff in our lives. Talk to someone. Here's the thing. God reveals five ways we can emotionally thrive through this time. God reveals in his word five ways that apply to everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're young or whether you're old, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you have a job or not, whether you're emotionally great or not. There are five things that God can emotionally help all people with that he clearly states in his word. Are you ready for it? Awesome. Because you're going to have to come back next week to hear it. We're out of time. And so I want to set you up. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to do the exercise. I want you to write down what fills and what drains you. I want you to share it with a friend or with a spouse and be able to walk through that together. And I want you to come with that list ready next week and let's evaluate that to God's word to see if there's some areas that we might have missed, especially when it comes to being filled by the way that he has wired and designed us. In addition, here's extra credit. Read Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7 especially. Read Philippians 4. In fact, just read the entire chapter, but 1 through 7, and it'll prepare you greatly for what God has in store for us this next week. My prayer is that this message sets the stage in your heart and mind so that you can say today, yes, I am committed to following God's plan to coming out of this better than when I went in. I want to come out thriving through COVID-19 instead of surviving. The commitment is now between you and God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. And I pray, Father, that you would just guide all the hearts and minds of those who are watching right now. We know, Father, that thousands are engaging and yet every individual matters to you. And I pray that we would learn what it means to love you with all of our heart, to love you emotionally, to be the people that you've called us to be. And I pray that this sets the stage for what you have in store for us for these next few weeks. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.